0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Merry Christmas! How closely have you studied the Christmas story laid out in your Bible? Have you ever truly considered the immense ramifications and all that went into the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Let's open now to Matthew chapter 1 and look into this incredible story. Good afternoon, and welcome to another teaching. Today we're going uh, to begin a, a series of uh, Christmas teachings that should take us uh, close to the end of the year. Today we're going to discuss Matthew chapter one verses eighteen to to twenty five. It's a story uh, about Jesus and Mary and Joseph. What's interesting about it is is most people who have been to church, have heard this story all their lives. We did this in Bible study yesterday with the Kingdom Discipleship leaders. Uh, Jesse led us. He did a really good job. Thank you. And then last night, uh, we did it for Bible study at our house, and we had, had around 35 people, and pretty much everyone had said they had not seen it in that light. I have a, a young friend named Matthew who, who lives in the Northeast, and when we did the teaching, a Christmas teaching last year, he was uh, he was excited and said that, uh, you know, in all the times he had gone to church, he had not seen it in this light. And the reason for that is is, is something we consistently say, and that is Romans 15.4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us or instruct us. It's not just written so that we can read it and just have an interesting story that says, wow, well, that's interesting. Jesus was born. The particulars are important. Hebrews thirteen eight. 8, um, Peyton says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God doesn't change. So we can see how the Lord deals with people in principle is how he will deal with us. The circumstances will be different, the time will be different, but in principle, how the Lord deals with human beings is how we can expect him to deal with us. Hopefully that makes sense. So we're going to go ahead and read it, and then um, we'll get right into it. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives Lord, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for this Christmas season, and we do remember you, Lord Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we, as we open the Bible, and uh, Father, we just love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. which means, God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. This is obviously an incredible miracle. And in Luke chapter one is where we find the story of where the angel appears to Mary and explains to her what's going to happen. And Mary being an incredible, righteous woman of God says, you know, I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me as you say. And uh, Mary is an example to all of us, men or women. How this woman behaved her entire life is an incredible example to all of us as uh, as Christians today. So it's in Luke 1 that we get the story where the angel goes to Mary and explains to her what's going to happen. Uh, And I made this point in Bible study yesterday. It's interesting that the angel went went to Mary, and he went to her alone. Mary's a woman. Many have the belief that God only talks to men, and it's not biblical. The angel didn't say to Mary, which would have been helpful, as we'll see in this story, but the angel goes to her alone and explains to her alone what's going to happen. And the angel doesn't say, go ahead and call Gabriel, But the angel communicates to Mary um, what's going to be happening. And obviously, God speaks to women just as he speaks to men. You know, there are an order of things in a Christian household. You know, Jesus Christ is to be the head of the household. The man is to be the head of the marriage. Uh, and, And really what that means is, you know, he's to be the lead example of leading a home in a biblical way. The man being the head doesn't mean he's just walking around being boss and and giving orders. So again, we see here that the angel in Luke 1, you'll find that the angel goes to Mary directly and only Mary and tells her what's going to be happening. And she receives the word of God. So whether we're men or women, the Lord is not gender specific. And so all of us need uh, to expect to walk in the word of the Lord, right? Mary was given the word of God from angels. You and I have the word of God in our Bible. And like Mary, we need to read it and obey it, whether we are men or women. There is no bias. And so that's in Luke 1 where you'll find that happening. And so here, verse 18 tells us that she was found to be with child. How that happened, we're not told. How she was found, I guess it could have been could have been morning sickness, right? It, uh, maybe she was showing. But look at verse 19, and this, is a, uh, and this is where it just gets tremendously interesting, Matthew. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. First of all, why is Joseph going to divorce her at all? It's very clear that that Mary, we're not told this, but certainly Mary would have gone to her fiance and tried to explain to him that, you know what, the an angel appeared to me, and I know this is hard to believe, but he said that I would I would I would bear the savior, that that I would be pregnant by the holy spirit and that, that I would carry and give birth to the savior. And, and it's clear Joseph, he doesn't believe her, um, because he's, he has in mind to divorce her. So he doesn't believe the story and it is a hard story to believe, but I mean, he should have believed her. Um, but again, this had never happened at any time in history anywhere. Um, so we can understand how it would be hard for, for Joseph to, to believe. What Joseph did obviously believe was that Mary had been unfaithful, and that's why he had in mind to divorce her. Now, he was going to do it quietly, and we'll get into that, but he believed clearly that Mary and another man had had relations, and Mary had gotten pregnant from another man is what he believes, and so Joseph is going to kind of bow out of the situation quietly so as... Mary and whoever this guy is can go off and, and have their child, because as I said clearly, she he does not believe that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. But look at this, it says because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Imagine how betrayed Joseph feels in this situation. The woman he's in love with, who he wants to spend the rest of his life with, who he wants to have a family with, he believes has betrayed him and been unfaithful to him. And yet it says in verse 19, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. How well do you do, Chloe, when... You are not treated well when you've been betrayed. Do you have a concern for the person who has wronged you, who has betrayed you, who has not treated you properly? This is just an incredible, it calls him a righteous man. Uh, Who's ever heard of a man like this? Most of us, Matt, When we're mistreated, we want to tell anyone who will listen how we were wronged. If we were ever mistreated like this, we'd want to tell every person that listened, do you know what that woman did to me? Not this guy though, not Joseph. It says a lot about a person with how they handle mistreatment, with how they handle disrespect, with how they handle what he believes is betrayal. It really does. Again, because most people who are hurt and upset because they have been mistreated, they want to hurt back, right? You've heard hurt people, hurt people. So when we're, when we're not treated right, when people don't speak well of us, are we quick to just gossip about them? Are we quick to just talk about how they mistreated us? Do we just quickly speak about how we're treated unfairly, Scott? Is that what we do? Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Now, keep in mind, for those who listen and and always have a lot of questions, in that time, and the time in which Mary and Joseph and Jesus lived, if a woman was unfaithful in this fashion, she could be killed. She could be stoned. Jesse made a good point. What, what would have happened to Jesus? Mary just is just pregnant, say a month, right? Two months, three months. What would have happened to Jesus if Joseph... Because he was so mad, so upset, so betrayed, had to go tell everyone because he wanted to make sure that that she got found out. What would have happened to Mary if he did that? And if Mary was stoned, what happens to Jesus? The obvious answer is the baby Jesus would have died. Y'all see that? If Joseph does not manage himself, if Joseph, if Joseph is not the kind of man that wants to love someone even though they've wronged him, look at this. He is protecting her, the very one who so very much wronged him in his mind or betrayed him or who was unfaithful to him, but yet he still wants to make sure that she's not harmed. There's the definition of love right there. That's what a, a righteous man or a righteous woman does. I don't know any. But I would like to be one in all of us. Men and women should want to, should want to, to emulate Joseph. Maybe there's a reason when God was looking for an earthly father or stepfather for Jesus, he chose Joseph. Because if he had chose another man, like the vast majority of us today, we would have had to go tell everybody because we were so so hurt and so overwhelmed about what that woman did to us And we would have wanted her to suffer. And in suffering, she would have been stoned and killed and the baby Jesus would have been killed. So it's probably not a coincidence when God the Father was choosing an earthly father for Jesus that he chose a man like this. A man that had a lifestyle of being a righteous man. Wow. What does that mean? Because her husband... Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. What does it mean to be righteous? The Bible teaches three kinds of righteousness. Here's another another answer to to, to a question. What does the Bible mean when it says righteous? There are three different types or meaning to the word righteous or righteousness in the Bible. The, The first one is called imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness is when you get saved, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin, all of your sin, past, present, and future is credited to Jesus at the cross and the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you in its place. Does that not sound like the most amazing thing you've ever heard ever, ever? That exchange, the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived, he gave me in exchange for the disgusting, sinful life that I had lived. Is that not the most remarkable thing you've ever heard, Ireland? That's the first kind of righteousness, when it says righteous. That's not what this one is though, when it says Joseph was righteous. The second kind, the Bible teaches a concept called self-righteous. Self-righteous is when you're trying to be made right with God. You're trying to go to heaven by your own righteous life. When you think you are just so good, that you are just gonna do everything so right that you're just gonna, you're gonna break into heaven in your own righteous life. Will never work. As we see in verse 21, we have a sin problem. In all the good we do, all the right things we ever do will never take away our sins. We need a savior. Only Jesus Christ can take away our sins. All the good we do will never take away one sin. That's called self-righteous. When you're trying to be made right with God by your own, by yourself, by the things you're doing, and you somehow believe in your mind that you can do that, you actually believe that your righteous life will be acceptable to get you to heaven. It's an absurdity. To trust in Jesus Christ is to abandon any and all hope in yourself for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, and to throw yourself completely at the mercy of Jesus Christ, throw yourself at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I am hopeless. I ask you to save me from my sin, to be the Lord of my life and to come into my heart. Lord, I need you and only you and all of you. And there's nothing we can add to that for our salvation. Okay? Our salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. Nothing we can add to going to heaven. We, we, we don't even help it. We can't help it. We cannot add to what Jesus has done, not even, not even an inkling. I've said this before. The best five minutes I lived would send me to hell. That's the second kind of righteous. Okay? So the first righteousness is an imputed righteousness, that we receive the righteousness of Christ at salvation. The second is a self-righteousness where an individual is trying to be made right with God and believes they can in themselves by their own right deeds and works. But the third kind of righteousness is the one that it's talking about here with, with Joseph. When it says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, this is called lifestyle righteousness. And what this is, is that Joseph had a lifestyle of moment by moment, day by day, just doing what's right. Joseph would think about what's right, as we're going to see in verse 20, so he could do what's right for no other reason but because it was right, and not for his salvation. Joseph was going to be saved by the baby and Mary's stomach. He didn't know it yet. He's going to know it here in the next verse. So lifestyle righteousness can only be accomplished by those who have imputed righteousness. When you've abandoned all hope in yourself and you've called on Jesus to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin, the righteousness of Christ is credited to you. And now you spend your life trying to live for Jesus, not to be saved, not to go to heaven. It has nothing to do with that, but simply because you love him and you want to be pleasing to him. Right, Peyton? That's called lifestyle righteousness, and that's what that's what uh it's referring to here, because Joseph, her husband was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Thank you, Father, for Joseph. thank you for just this incredible example you know of a man, Lord, that didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace, and forgive us, father we're where we consistently want to embarrass people and make them look bad. And, uh, Lord, forgive us in Jesus name. Thank you, father. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, stop there. Well, how many words is that? One, two, three, four, five, six words. But after he had considered this, you notice he just didn't fly off the handle. Oftentimes when we get hurt, when we feel betrayed, when we've been done wrong, we just fly off the handle. Start going crazy. Our, our temper gets, gets a little, little riled up there. I know there's a lot of people listening to this that can relate to this. You get red in the face. Start being a man like Joseph. But after he had considered this, okay, he didn't just lose his grip. He took the time to think about it and to think about what the Lord would have him to do in this situation. If it was true that Mary was unfaithful, then it was very loving for him to divorce her quietly, right? And the Lord would be pleased with that. Now, that wasn't true. Verse 20, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In the Bible study yesterday, again, Jesse asked a great question. And and, and try to think about this. You remember how we said that the angel appeared to Mary alone? And that shows us that God will talk to women just like he will to men. So nobody should say that, no, God spoke to me because I'm a man, because that's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, The word of God is for all of us men and women, and we see encounters in the Bible where the Lord will send angels here to a man and a woman. Okay, Um, Mary just got an in-person encounter, as a matter of fact, where Joseph got it in a dream. But the question that, that came out was such a good question. All of this could have been avoided if the angel just appeared to Mary and Joseph at the same time. Think about that. You know, why Why wouldn't the angel just come to Mary and Joseph together and say, Hey, y'all, congratulations on the engagement. Glad things are going well. This is what's going to happen. Um, the Holy Spirit of God is going to come on your soon-to-be wife, Joseph, and she's going to become pregnant. She's going to carry the Savior, and uh, we'll give you further instructions as you need them. Wouldn't that have been nice? Why does the Lord have to do it this way? Why does the Lord have to do it in this way that Joseph just feels devastated? You see where I'm going here? This, this, this all was avoidable. Uh, Joseph would have no option to believe her. Joseph would have believed it all if the angel had just appeared to him in the same way he appeared to Mary. But no, why does the Lord do it this way? It's clear that the Lord did it this way because he, you know, he had his reasons and those reasons involved, what did it feel like for Mary to not be believed? What, how scared must have Mary been? She's found to be with child god has told her that that you're going to be pregnant she knows she's never been with a man yet she's pregnant so it clearly has happened as the angel told her her own fiance doesn't believe in her she has got to be overwhelmed and devastated she's probably 15 years old why could the angel just not have appeared to her and joseph at the same time why when the angel appeared to mary couldn't he say hey mary It's okay. Don't be scared. I do have some news for you. So go ahead and call Joe and we're going to sit down and have a little conversation. And then the angel kind of explains to the two of them what's going on. And we don't have any of this problem at all. Why does the Lord do it in a way that's going to cause more problems? And in your life, right? Doesn't it seem like just some things happen in, in so many different areas of your life that just It would seem that it just doesn't need to be this hard. But, you know, it's uh, in our walk with the Lord, you know, and in our relationship with him, you know, he molds us, he molds our character in this way. And clearly, he's allowing the character of Joseph to shine through here and the character of Mary to shine through here. There's no other rational explanation for this. Because everything would have been like a million times easier and all the heartache wouldn't be there and all the, the thoughts of betrayal for Joseph wouldn't be there and none of this would have happened if they just, if the angel just told both of them. And so we see this principle, we see it really consistent you know, in our Bibles, and we've seen it in history, that, that oftentimes, the more that, the more that God uses people, the more he allows them to go through, through difficult times. So, you know, if you're going through some difficult times right now, and the Lord is allowing you to go through some difficult times, uh, there is no doubt that he's molding you and preparing you for the call of God on your life and what he's called you to do. And and obviously, uh, Mary and Joseph have an immense call of God. They're going to be used by God the Father in an overwhelming way. And so, again, for those who are listening to this and maybe you've got some difficulties going on in your life, the Lord knows what's going on in your life, and and he is certainly using them to mold your character as he did Mary and Joseph, that he might use you more effectively uh, in the advancement of his kingdom and in the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 20. Because Joseph considers this, he just doesn't fly off the handle, just doesn't go tell everybody. And remember, if he does that, Mary could be stoned and then the baby Jesus in her would be killed. Because Joseph's the kind of man, a righteous man, and he thinks before he just goes and flies off to handle, the angel does appear to him in a dream and explains to him that, you know, everything that she told you was true. And again, we're, we're postulating here that when Mary was pregnant and Joseph's like, what's up, that she surely told him and he, he, he didn't believe her. And again, all the pain that goes with that because we are told that he was going to divorce her. There's no rational reason for him to divorce her except he doesn't believe her, of course, right? Verse 21 is, 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 is the meaning of Christianity at the base. Nothing is more important than verse 21. The angel still speaking to Joseph. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. The bottom line, the essence of all Christianity, the most important thing in the world, what you need and I need more than than anything, is a Savior to save us from our sins. Human beings are sinful, they have a nature of sin. They are a sinful people. They are in debt to God the Father for their sin. And we need a Savior. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You have a sin debt to God the Father. Have you cleared that sin debt? Have you given that debt to Jesus by asking him to be the Lord of your life? Because the only way to have those sins forgiven is to call on Jesus and to pray to him. Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinful man, a sinful woman. And I believe that you were born and came into this world for me and lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen Therefore, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sins and bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That is the foundational meaning of everything in Christianity. Everything else comes after that that we need a savior because humanity is sinful. And the Bible prophesied it. 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That was in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah seven fourteen, And the Old Testament prophesied hundreds of years before that this event would happen, that the virgin would be with child. It's never happened before, right? And that she would have a son. And look what it says here. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus Christ is God. That baby born is God. He is the God man. When Jesus entered the world, he was a man, but he was also God almighty. Now he's just full blown God. We've talked about this before. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're all all all-knowing. They're all all all-powerful. They're all omnipresent. They're all everywhere. Jesus is God, and when he entered the world, it was God with us. God walked among us on the earth. It's, uh, yeah, there are no words to, to give praise to it. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Um, But it was prophesied in the Old Testament that this would happen. That, That the Messiah would come throughout the Old Testament. It was prophesied that a Messiah would come, a Savior would come. And people put their faith in that word of God that the Savior was coming in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you and I put our faith in the Savior that has come. We look back to the cross in the Old Testament, they put their faith in the savior that was to come. They looked forward to the cross. Same cross saves everybody. When Joseph woke up, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. I actually woke up this morning because I had, we had done this in Bible study Thursday morning. Did it uh, Thursday night again in Bible study. Um, I had been talking about this and studying this a lot. I actually woke up praying this this morning. Father, help me to obey your word today. Help me to be a man like Joseph. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. The angel of the Lord commanded him. When that happened, the angel of the Lord gave Joseph the word of God. He told Joseph what to do. This is the will of God. When you wake up in the morning, you want this to be your your heart's desire. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. You want that to be your, your focus when you wake up in the morning. When Matthew woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. You want to wake up with a heart to obey the word of God. And ask him to help you. Father, I do ask you to help us. That our first desire when our eyes open in the morning is, is to know you. Is to walk with you. And to, and to obey the word of God. And to, uh, and to just live lives, Lord, that are pleasing to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Once again, these are the kind of men and women we want to be. People that do what the Lord tells us. And the Bible is the word of God. That's why we do these podcasts, so that we can we can better know Jesus and better obey him. And finally, verse 25. It's very, very interesting here. Again, we see another incredible... Uh, just an, just an incredible uh, character in Joseph. Verse 25, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Uh, this verse very clearly teaches that, that Joseph waited to have sexual relations, intimacy with Mary. Um, It says in all our Bibles, but Joseph, after the birth of Jesus, clearly did have intimacy with her. Anyone can open your Bible in any version, and it says the same thing. Um, Some says he has no relations with her. Some says sexual relations. But this says, but he had no union with her until she gave birth. So while she was pregnant with Jesus... Joseph had no intimacy with her. Now, we can't find anywhere where Joseph is told to do this. Right? And most people, when they get married, they're excited to, to have relations. Right? When people get married, they're very excited to, to come together and consummate the marriage. Joseph has to wait another nine months or whatever it is. Right? And he does that, uh, obviously, out of a sense of, of wanting to honor jesus right um you know he you know he wasn't going to you know to have you know have relations with the messiah inside of her okay um others have postulated that this was a, a Mary thing but clearly by what the scriptures uh teaches that the reason for him waiting was a jesus thing uh, Mary is a, is, is an incredible, again, woman of God. That's a good example, but she is a human being like the rest of us as is Joseph. They're just a very, very good character, very Christ-like character. The baby in her is God. So, um, you know, Joseph, Joseph has the sense to say, I'm not going to have intimacy with my wife until, Uh, the baby is born and then after that in the other parts of the scriptures we do find that jesus does have brothers and sisters where that came from mary and joseph so it says and he goes on to say and he gave him the name jesus so the angel told him what to name the child and again we see that joseph obeyed it so hopefully that uh when you hear that uh, for those of us who have, have uh, read this story, you know, many times or heard this story, hopefully you see it in a little different light now, right? Because we always want to see what does this have to teach us? What does this have to instruct us? It's not just here to read through these verses, these whatever, eight verses, and just, uh, just keep moving on, but we can see tremendous principles in here for us. Well, Father, we do thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for Jesus, the son of God. Father, we thank you for just, um, we thank you for Mary and Joseph, Lord, and and just the character that we see in them, Lord. And we ask you to help us to emulate it, Father, and to be more Christ-like sons and daughters ourselves. Father, again, we thank you for this this time, this Christmas season. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the word of God. And as always, above all, we thank you for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. It's in Jesus' name we thank you and praise you. And in his name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contactkingdomd.org.